fly around. Little green peas from the ground. Buttermilk biscuits, nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Butter beans, peas, beets, and chard. Chickens running in the yard. Catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop 'em black gang candy stripes. Look at 'em loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast, a show that is dedicated to the people of the state of Tennessee who produce, prepare, and preserve food and agriculture, often with that Mountain South Appalachian flair. And on occasion, I just might have a guest from our neighbors from surrounding states here in the Southeast. This is your hostess and producer, Amy Campbell. The theme song that you just heard was sung and produced by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee. And today on this Thanksgiving weekend, we're setting the table with several favorite food memories involving dressing and black walnuts. We'll start with Beverly Nels of Blount County, Tennessee, who makes her mother's dressing every year, or Thanksgiving or Christmas just isn't Christmas. Retired food writer from the Knoxville New Sentinel, Mary Dee Dee Constantine shares a memory and recipe for her daddy's cornbread dressing, and Dee Dee also shares her audio remembrance from her interview with Shirley McMurtry of Union County, Tennessee, and Shirley's method of dry canning black walnuts, and also Shirley's recipe for black walnut candy. And we're going to hear that potluck radio series from Fred Saussman on that historic happening of turkey herding in Tennessee. Thank you so much for tuning in by podcast or radio today. I really appreciate your good company. I hope you're having a really good weekend so far. And if this is a hard weekend, sometimes you know holidays can be. Maybe you might be missing someone or a time that has passed. I hope these stories will help to warm your heart a little bit. I hope so anyway. All right, let's first hear from Beverly Nels of Blount County, Tennessee. Beverly shares her late mother, Peggy Sue Sykes' recipe for dressing. So you told me before, Thanksgiving is not Thanksgiving unless your mama brought that dressing. Mm-hmm. And now you're the one bringing the dressing, is that right? This is true. We haven't made everything definitive for this year's Thanksgiving, but uh, my sister told me recently that my nephew from Florida is going to be giving me a call. Oh, oh, (laughs) because we tried to order it last year and and make it easy for everyone, Mm -hmm. and it was terrible. Mm -hmm. It was terrible. She said so. Bronson will be calling me for a request. (laughs) A request for that dress. Yes, absolutely. He. I have to make extra so he can take some home. To Florida. That's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> no. How did you learn how to make this dressing? 
Well, there were two influential ladies in my life, and one was my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, and she raised nine boys. So she taught me a lot, and she also helped teach my mom a lot about cooking because mom's own mother did not cook much. My grandfather did. My grandmother taught mom a lot, and then mom was just such a quick learner that she learned a lot, and she always added, too, mom didn't have recipes. She could cook anything without a recipe, and she would just do it. And so I watched her from the time I was in college. I was the daughter of three. We had, she had three girls. I was the one daughter that was at home. I was the youngest, and so I started helping her every single year because it's not Christmas without Mama's dressing either. Really? Not just Thanksgiving. It's not Christmas without Mama's dressing either. Oh, I gotcha. <laughs> so you just were in that kitchen learning from her. Yes, I watched her. I was her like, almost like her little prep chef. I bet. I would cut up all the different things, and mm-hmm. and then you know my daughter went on and and started helping when she we we used to have to put a cooler up against the counter so that she could stand on it and she could do stuff too and she would she would tear up the bread and the cornbread and stuff from the time she was probably i don't know seven oh that's so good Mm -hmm. it was sweet it was good memories Mm -hmm. it really was what does this dressing taste like fabulous (laughs) (laughs) well Shame on me for asking. <laughs> That's right. It's not Thanksgiving or Christmas without Mama's dressing. People come from Florida for this stuff. <laughs> oh, it must be some kind of dressing. Well, it's just it's a, it is a cornbread-based dressing, and um, it's not dry and it's not lumpy, so it's not stuffing. It's it is full dressing and it's not dry. Mm. That's the most wonderful part. And it's just about I don't know. It just it just tastes wonderful, and it has a lot of lots of sage, uh-huh. lots of. It has to be McCormick's sage, and um, mm-hmm. that's what I, she always said. You got to have McCormick's sage, so we have, and you have a lot of sage in it, and it's got a good, fair amount of pepper in it. Okay. And um, salt to taste, but it's mm-hmm. the broth. Ah, I gotcha. Too. What are the ingredients? Well, per pan of dressing, and that's like a 9 by 13 because we make, again, you might, mom would probably make six of those mm. because everybody had to take some home. <laughs> you just didn't have it for the meal. You had to take some home in the care package. Oh. So, it had, you cook the celery and, and onions um, in olive oil or butter or whatever, and and that you have those that are sauteed, and they're in there. There's broth in there. There's cornbread. There's toast, eggs, lots of sage, broth, and salt and pepper. There's certain things. I mean, you have to toast the bread okay. the day before and leave it out to dry. And, you know, it makes it dry out a lot more. But plus it gives it, I guess, a little bit of color because it's just plain white bread. And then you do your cornbread the day before, mm-hmm. but you have to wrap it up to keep it moist so it won't dry out too much. <laughs> and um, the well, broth, Mom always says you just pick the fattiest chickens you can find, and she made her own broth, and I cheat with that a lot of times. I, do, I actually do get stock. I do both, depending, you know. Yeah. Um, per pan of dressing, that 9 by 13, okay, mm-hmm. it is... 
I had to write this down because Mama just really didn't have a recipe. So I started doing this to leave this legacy for my daughter. I'm glad. It's like a cup and a half of the celery and onions that are sautéed, and I also cook those in a little bit of broth along with the olive oil, okay? And you're talking about chicken broth? Yes. Okay. And then an iron skillet Mm. of cornbread, okay? And then there's five or six slices of toast that had white toast that has laid out for a day because you did the day before. And then you have about eight cups of broth that's going to go with that. Oh, okay. All right? Mm -hmm. Because it soaks it up. And... There is two and a half to three tablespoons of sage. So it is pretty, it's pretty sagey. Now you salt and pepper to taste. But the broth, and when if I don't make my own broth, Mm -hmm. I use two chicken, two turkey, one vegetable, and then a couple of pitchers of water. And that is, Mm. it's pretty, it's pretty rich. Mm -mm. And that's what I use as my broth. So you put all that with one pound of cornbread and five things of... Or is that for a big jumbo batch? Oh, that oh girl, I I do so many. That's just that's just a. Those are the big ones too. Uh-huh. I do several of those. Oh, gotcha. Several because um, uh-huh. but it comes up to about eight cups of that mixture mm-hmm. for a nine by thirteen, and per you know skillet of cornbread and in the few slices of toast. Okay. Um, mm. And and the one and a half cups of the vegetables in there. But you know, there's there's a few things that you have to do, and um, then there's also three eggs that you put in that. But it's after you've tasted it and got your sage and your salt and your pepper right, because the eggs are all right. I put I put the celery and the onions, the broth, crumble up all the cornbread, crumble up all the toast, and that warm broth will disintegrate all of that breading. And just make it, and you do it about a little bit, a little bit, uh, like the thickness of cornbread. Mm-hmm. If you were making it, okay. Make sure, then you put your sage, your salt and pepper in there. Then you taste it, and you can't brush your teeth before you taste it. <laughs> so you've got to do this in the morning time before you brush your teeth because it's going to taste. It's going to get the sage off. It's so funny. It is. That's a good tidbit. So once you get that right, then you put in, mix in three eggs. And um, and then you bake it at 350 for about an hour. Okay. Until it doesn't jiggle in the middle, but it's not dry. Okay, after you cook your dressing, and it's been in there about an hour, and it doesn't jiggle in the middle anymore, you put it in the broiler for just a few minutes because it gets it all toasty and a little bit of crunchiness on the top. And you're all and my 9 by 13 dishes are always glass, so it gets it that little toastiness around the edges too. That's the best part. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yeah, you, I love that little part too. I'd be dishing that out the spoon. It's always my part. <laughs> they know I always want the little crunchy edges. <laughs> oh, oh boy, that sounds good. And then the bra, the, the gravy. Oh yes. Now tell me how you do that. You take the giblets from the turkey, mm-hmm. and. Um, you also have your chicken broth, mm-hmm. and then you you boil that, and you boil some eggs and add that to it. And also, you take a cup of that raw dressing. Uh-huh. Before you put the eggs in it, you put, uh, set aside some for your, for your gravy, and you put that in your gravy also. Ooh, that makes it kind of just really... Uh, 
a kind of taste twin of that dressing. It does. It mm. gives, and it's a thickening agent too because you've got that bread in there, so it's a thickening agent. That's a good now idea. sometimes you have to add a little bit of thickening agent to it, depending on if you get too much broth or whatever. But you know, we'll put either potato flakes or mix up the flour in the water and start and make the starchy stuff out of it. Okay. But so you always have to save some of your dressing before you put the eggs in it, so you can put it in your gravy. Love that. <laughs> and the main thing is, when you make it, you cannot brush your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> and would you tell people what you do for a living? I'm a dental hygienist. <laughs> so that's really bad. <laughs> but it will alter the taste of the sage and all, and you've got to get that sage in there. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good tidbit. How about it? I don't know. Mom said it was that's cardinal rule around making this dressing. <laughs> you can't brush your teeth while you're while you're making it that morning. Mm-hmm. Now, Mom always did the turkey, and that was what she also added to this broth. A lot of times is that she would always rub the inside of her turkey with butter and stuff it with vegetables mm-hmm. and put it in one of the big baking bags, okay? You know, mm-hmm. the plastic bags. Mm-hmm. And after that was finished, she would take all of those drippings and she would also add that to the broth. Mm-hmm. And it was, that makes it even richer, you know? Mm-hmm. I shortcut it because I don't do the turkey and the dressing both for all of it. So mm-hmm. I have to do the shortcuts and use the chicken stock mix and all that. But and turkey and chicken and mm-hmm. vegetable mix of that stock. But if you really do it right, that's how you do it. Well, the thing is, is uh, you work like crazy. And most people listening work like crazy. So it's good to know the, the old style way. The, mm-hmm. But it's also good to have shortcuts. Right. So dissolve all your bread really well. Don't brush your teeth and use a lot of sage. Well, all right, baby. <laughs> Goodness gracious, thank you so much well, for doing thank this. Thank you so much. I, I'm very honored that we can we can. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table, and we've just heard a recessatory from Beverly Nels. She shared with us her mother Peggy Sue Sykes's dressing recipe, and that word recessatory is a word I just conjured for a story and a recipe combined. Next up, let's hear from our friend, retired food writer for the Knoxville New Sentinel, Mary Dede Constantine, and her family memory of her daddy's cornbread dressing. As the cool weather sets in, the thought of upcoming holidays come to mind. That's the time of year when our homes take on the aroma of the special herbs and spices that we use to prepare special meals. At my house, those aromas include cinnamon and clove from the spice nuts and pumpkin pie, and savory aromas such as rosemary from the roasted turkey and sage from the cornbread dressing. From as far back as I can remember, my father always made the dressing at our house. I can remember helping him chop the onions and celery, then watch him use his hands to break up the cornbread and any stale white bread that we had saved throughout the year and put in our freezer. As he added the chicken stock, eggs, salt, pepper, and sage, he would mix the bread together with the liquid until it was the perfect consistency. My father has been gone now for 14 years, and today it's my job to mix that special batch of holiday dressing. He never had an exact recipe, and neither do I. 
I still save the heels of my white bread throughout the year to add to the dressing, and I mix it, along with my cornbread, with the same ingredients that my father used. The only exception is that I've started adding a pound of breakfast sausage to the mixture. When my hands sink into that dry bread and I begin to blend in the chicken stock, I always have a silent conversation with my daddy. I ask him to help me recreate that perfect memory that was his cornbread dressing. And then I tell him how much he's loved and missed. I've created a template for my dad's dressing recipe. It's not exact and it never will be. The success of this dish is contingent on how much love you put into the blending of the ingredients and preparing the perfect flavor profiles for your palate. But you can start with 8 to 10 cups of crumbled cornbread and maybe any leftover white bread that you might have around the house. In a roasting pan, mix 1 to 1 and a half large onions that are chopped and 5 to 7 ribs of celery chopped. Add 2 cups of chicken stock and blend into the cornbread until it's wet. It's possible you'll need at least one more cup of liquid to get the perfect consistency of cornbread mushiness. Add salt and pepper, blend together, then flavor with two teaspoons of ground sage. Add more if you need it. Once you have that profile perfect to your taste, add two beaten eggs, and if you want, a pound of cooked and crumbled breakfast sausage. Place in a 350 degree oven and bake approximately one and a half hours, maybe an hour and 15 minutes. You'll need to check on it. Um, you want the dressing to still look damp on top when you remove it, but it shouldn't jiggle. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. You're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. We just heard from retired food writer from the Knoxville News Sentinel, Mary Dee Dee Constantine. Next, Dee Dee shares her audio remembrance of her interview with Shirley McMurtry of Union County, Tennessee. Shirley had this neat way of dry canning black walnuts that Dee Dee is going to share with us, along with Shirley's recipe for black walnut candy. In my years of interviewing people for the Knoxville News Sentinel, Shirley McMurtry is one of the most unique women I've ever featured. The Union County resident would spend each fall collecting, cracking, and canning walnuts. Her process was cyclical, with this year's harvest being removed from its green husk and then stored in a dry area in her basement until the following fall. That's when she would remove them from their shell and can them. She said the nuts always tasted better after curing in the shell for a year. Her basement was set up for the task of cracking 
with rubber gloves to protect her hands, a hammer, and a narrow-gauge railroad railing that she used as a base. Once the meats were removed from the nuts, she would take them upstairs to her kitchen and can them using a dry method of preservation. She explained it like this. Pour the nut meats onto a table and pick over them, removing any crumbs and bits of shell. Place approximately two cups at a time into a large colander. Shake well to remove any remaining bits of shell, but do not wash the nut meats, she would say. Wash and dry the pint jars and never ever use anything larger than pint as the heat from a larger jar could affect the flavor of the nut. Add the nut meats into the jar up to the shoulder. Do not shake to compact the nuts. Cover with a lid and tighten just until snug. Be careful not to over tighten. If the lid is too loose, it won't seal properly. If the lid is too tight, it won't seal properly. Place the jars on a rack in the center of the oven, leaving at least two inches between each jar. Turn the oven on to 250 degrees and bake for one hour. The jars and nuts will sterilize during baking. Remove from the oven and you'll find beads of moisture that have formed on the inside of the jar. Shirley said that's okay. The nuts will absorb the moisture as they cool. Turn the jars upside down Place them in a dark, draft-free place and store until you're ready to use. Walnut candy is one of Shirley's family's favorite dishes, and she said she'd been known to make up to 75 pounds during the holiday season. She shared that recipe as well. It calls for six cups of granulated sugar, two cups of evaporated milk, one tablespoon light corn syrup, one-fourth teaspoon soda, one-half cup margarine, one teaspoon vanilla, and two cups of black walnuts coarsely chopped. To begin, place two cups of sugar in a heavy skillet and begin to caramelize. While the sugar is melting, add four cups of sugar, evaporated milk, and syrup in a saucepan and bring to a boil. Pour the caramelized sugar into the saucepan and stir constantly. Cook, stirring frequently, until the temperature is 245 degrees. That's a firm ball stage. Remove from heat and immediately add soda to the mixture and stir vigorously as it foams. Add margarine and stir only until melted. Then let the mixture cool for 20 minutes. After the mixture is cool, add vanilla and beat until thick and creamy. Add the chopped black walnuts and pour into a 9 by 13 inch pan. Store in an air container. Shirley said this yields approximately 4 pounds of candy. This is Mary Constantine with the Tennessee Farm Table. Thank you for listening to the Tennessee Farm Table today. We're sharing food memories this Thanksgiving weekend. Now this one I did play last week, but a lot of y'all are in town for the weekend, and I wanted for everybody to be sure to hear this. This is Fred Sossman's Potluck Radio Series about an interesting story from the past 
on turkey herding in Tennessee. This is Potluck Radio. I'm Fred Sossman. We don't think much nowadays about how turkeys get from farm to market to oven. But from around 1884 to 1920, in rural, mountainous Hancock County, Tennessee, it was quite an undertaking. Imagine moving hundreds of turkeys 35 miles over rugged land and rough water. Imagine keeping track of which turkeys are yours and which belong to your neighbor. Imagine what happens at evening roosting time when the turkeys take control and head for the trees. Imagine your disappointment when, at the end of that long turkey trek, you don't get the price you'd hoped the birds would bring. Scott Collins of Sneedville isn't old enough to remember the legendary turkey drives of his home county, but he has studied the strange practice as much as anyone. On his office wall is a photograph taken, he thinks, around 1912. It depicts dozens of turkeys on the grounds of the Hancock County Courthouse. And they would drive these turkeys to Morristown and to Rogersville. They'd put those few turkeys up on that raft and pull them to the other side. So this went on until they got them all on the other side of the river. And I thought about that a lot. What a, what a task that must have been. Scott says the turkey herders were totally at the mercy of the buyers in Morristown and Rogersville. Sometimes the farmers got the price they expected, oftentimes they did not. That was their way of life, of actually making some money for, to feed their families. The people in this area had it tough. Improved transportation and probably accumulated fatigue ended the turkey drives. Scott Collins says people today have a hard time believing the drives ever occurred, but they did, and that photograph in front of the Hancock County Courthouse in Tennessee is proof. For Potluck Radio, I'm Fred Sausman. Thank you so much for joining us here today at the Tennessee Farm Table podcast and broadcast. It has been an honor to have your good company. We always love to hear from you on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or through the website, TennesseeFarmTable.com. I'd sure love to hear from you and swap some recipes and stories. Big thanks to Emmy Sunshine of Madisonville, Tennessee, for the musical arrangement and singing and recording of our theme song. For updated appearances, schedule, news, and her new recording, connect with Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.